One other thing, uh, there are study guides for the next sermon series, which will start the, a week after, um, week after In His Steps, and so make sure you pick one of these up. They're at the uh, Welcome Center, and it's their, uh, the sermon series is called Postcards from the Prophets. So we'll be looking at a bunch of the Old Testament prophets and what they might say to us, but how it relates to us today. So make sure you pick one of those up um, as, before you leave. And I just have to point it out, thank you for the UCLA uh, sweatshirt. So, um, this, so if there was ever a question if there was a God, it would be that, um, that UCLA won a football game last, yesterday. And I honestly, just admittedly, went to bed at halftime uh, and woke up to a text from my son saying that UCLA won. So it was a miracle. They scored 50 points in the second half. And yes... Yeah, 50 points. They hadn't scored 50 points all year, and they scored 50 points in the second half, so it was good news. So, Hey, we are, uh, next Sunday is In a Step Sunday, and so today I just want to remind us of why we do this. I want to also, uh, I'm going to challenge you today to think of yourself as a pastor, so um, just keep that in mind uh, where you are. So sometimes what some people hear when they hear In His Step Sunday, they hear Stay in bed Sunday, and, and that's not what it is. it is. It is come here, and it's a little different. I'll admit, it's not your usual Sunday. We won't gather in here. We won't sing a bunch of songs. We won't even take an offering. We won't listen to a sermon, but we probably will be more like the church than just about any Sunday we are because what we will do is we'll gather in the courtyard and, and here's a cool thing, too, just so you know, is another church is joining us next Sunday to do this. Uh, Life is One Church here in Claremont is going to join us and be a part of what happens next Sunday. So we'll gather in the courtyard, we'll sing a couple songs, we'll say a prayer, but then we'll disperse. And where there will be about 10, 11, 12, I just added another project today, where we will go out into the community and serve. We'll go to some parks, we'll go to some schools, we'll go to people's homes, We'll uh, do a prayer walk around the community. We'll have some people stay here and make blankets for Christmas baskets. We'll have people get ready for Operation Christmas Child. We will um, write letters to missionaries, all sorts of stuff. And we'll do that for a few hours and then come back afternoon and, and have lunch together. And again, it's probably where we act more like the church than any time. Because we're out serving, we're meeting needs, and we're building community. And people often say, I met more people on In His Step Sunday than I'd met the whole year. Because you're out working together. You're eating lunch together. You do. So make sure you come at 9 o'clock next Sunday. If you come at 1030, you're a part of Operation Christmas Child's Building Boxes, which is great, and it's fun, but it's not as fun. Where's Brian? Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> it's not as fun as going out and building stuff or tearing stuff down or whatever. So don't wear your Sunday best next Sunday. Wear your work clothes next Sunday, okay? So that's what we're doing. And it really is. It, it, in some ways, it doesn't fit what it means to be a church. But I, the phrase that we use when we talk about this is, is this little phrase, that the church has left the building. The church has left the building. So, so that's what we're supposed to be about. You know, it's interesting. Jesus only used the word church twice as recorded in the gospel. You would think that he would possibly talk about it a lot more, but really only uh, talked about it twice, and, and only in the Gospel of Matthew. And, and the word that he used, that was used, that we have to now just talk about it as church, 
is this word, um, it's uh, uh, ecclesiasa. Put it up there for us. What is it? Ecclesia. Thank you. You know what? I said it first. At first service, I said it just fine. Ecclesia is what it is. And here's what the interesting, I know, I, never mind. Okay. <laughs> I did not do well in spelling in fifth grade. Okay. But here's, what, here's what's so interesting about this. When Jesus talks about this, he doesn't say, I'm going to build my temple. He didn't say, I'm going to build the synagogue. But he used a word that is an, a Greek word that is a secular word that actually talks about just the gathering of people together in either a marketplace or a government setting or something like that. Ecclesia. And that is what he does. So here's what the church really is. It is a called out group of people gathered for a purpose. This is what this word means. And we have to ask is, what is the purpose? What's the purpose that God has called us out for? And, and part of it is to gather together to sing praise and to worship him. That's definitely part of it. Part of it is to gather together and to help each other grow as followers of Jesus and to help each other out and to love each other. But here's what I was thinking about this just the other day. The main purpose that God has gathered his people together is to save the world. We've been gathered together to save the world. I mean, John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And we as the church have been gathered and we are a part of this and we are to save the world. One way Jesus talked about doing this, it's after he's been crucified, after he's risen from the dead, he's meeting with his disciples. And here's what he says to his disciples in John 20. He said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But what a wild statement. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As the Son of God was sent by the Father to earth and became the person of Jesus, Jesus then looks at his disciples and says, you know what, as the Father sent me into the world, now I am sending you into the world. And he knows that it's something that they won't be able to do on their own. He knows it's going to be difficult, and so he says, and he breathes on them the Holy Spirit so that they would have the uh, wisdom of the Holy Spirit. They would have the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives as they are sent out. But the gathered church is to be sent out. You know, when I um, graduated from UCLA, I went on the Young Life staff right away, which is a ministry to high school students. And I may have told this story before. I can't remember. Um, but the, my boss said, hey, I want you to start a Young Life Club at uh, South Torrance High School. Never had it there. I'm like, okay, I can do that. Well, I thought I could. And, um, and he said, there's a couple named Bill and Carrie Landers. They graduated from there a few years ago. They really want to help you. So that you guys are going to start. So I go, okay. So all I knew was that I had been sent out, and I was supposed to go to the high school football game and meet kids. That's what I was supposed to do. So I got there uh, Friday night. I had my Young Life sweatshirt on. I was sitting there waiting for the landers, and they were late, and there wasn't anything like a cell phone back then that you could call people and say, where are you, or what is going on? 
And so I'm just sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. The game's about to start. And I go, okay, I got to buy my ticket. Buy my ticket, I go in. I'm standing there, and I'm walking along the stands, and the stands were packed out on this Friday night. And I have my Young Life thing on, and I realized this as I walked along. Nobody cared that I was there. I was there to help kids come to know Jesus. Nobody cared. It wasn't a kid that cared about that. There weren't any adults that knew really about it, but I was there. The landers showed up. We stood, we sat, and we met some kids. Months later, we started a club. Kids came to Christ down the road, all that. But here's why I tell you that story. Because I'm going to ask you today to think again of yourself as a pastor. And I'm going to ask you to think about what would it be mean to you to be a pastor at your work? What would it mean to be a pastor in your community, in your neighborhood? What about just with your family? What about at the school you go to? And here's the thing. Nobody's going to care that you're doing that. Nobody's going to be lining up to help. But that is what I believe Jesus calls us to do. Because as the Father sent Jesus, he's sending us. And here's how Jesus was sent to us. And this is the, the attitude or the character that we're supposed to take on and to do this job well. Philippians chapter 2. It's so funny. Kyle read the end of it. I'm going to read the beginning of it. Paul says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So as those that have been sent out by God, as followers of Jesus, here's the attitude we're supposed to have. We're supposed to take on the same mindset that Jesus had. And Paul says there's kind of four things that kind of picture this is how Jesus was. The first thing it says, that Jesus made himself nothing. And the word that's used there is, again, a Greek word that means he's emptied himself. He emptied himself. He didn't hold on. He didn't grasp the fact that he was the son of God. You, you, you wouldn't have known it by looking at Jesus that he was the Son of God. He didn't glow, right? There's one place in scriptures where he did, the transfiguration is the only place he really showed his glory. But most of the time, he walked around like you and I. And so you wouldn't have known And Jesus gave that up. He emptied himself of that. What, what does it mean for us to empty ourselves? Maybe it means that I don't hold on to my title that I have. Maybe it means that I don't hold on to the reputation that people have, that I'm willing to let go of that a little bit, right? And the ways Jesus emptied himself, then it goes on and it says that he took on the very nature of a servant. And what I love about this wording here and the Greek words that are used here is that it means that the son of God's inmost nature is outwardly expressed as a servant. That who Jesus is at the heart, at the depths of who he really is, is as a servant. And he showed that. It, 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 he acknowledged that, and that's how he lived his life, was as a servant. And so by, by letting go of his, of his reputation, of his title, he then, is able, he then serves others. And we see this right all through Scripture. Washing the disciples' feet, healing a leper, whatever it might be, but he was there to serve people. The other way that he emptied himself, it says, is that he humbled himself. 
humbled himself. Again, this is who we know our Christ to be. And then the final thing, it says that he was obedient to the Father. So, so when you think about your life and, and the character that you're putting on and, and who you will be when you step out as ones who are sent, you want to be those who are willing to serve. You want to go with great humility. And you want to go as one who's obedient to how God would lead you. And that those are the qualities, that's the character of Christ that you want to have formed in you as you then step out into the world that God wants you to be. So that's kind of how, who we are. And then, and then I believe Jesus gives us a bit of a, of a blueprint on how to go, right? Because it's not going to be easy. So here's what he says in Luke chapter 10. It says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he's about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Go and ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't take a purse or a bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. A couple things about this. So Jesus finds 72 people, right? We know about Jesus' 12 disciples, that inner circle kind of, but there are 72 others that have been so impacted by Jesus, so impacted by his ministry that they are there with him. And now they're going to go out ahead of him and prepare the way for him. And notice that Jesus sends them out in a couple, in pairs. This isn't something that they're just sent there out on their own, but there's two people. Because this isn't going to be easy. This is going to be difficult, and you're going to need one another to help each other. If, if, you take, if you take seriously what I'm talking about today, and you get home and you think, you know what, I want to pastor my neighborhood. I want to pastor the little cul-de-sac we live on or the street that we're on. It will be very hard. You will need to have a partner to do this together. Someone else who's like-minded. Somebody else who says, I'll stand there with you. Someone else who says that I'll pray with you about this. And that's the other thing that Jesus says to do is to begin to pray for others to join the work. Pray that there would be others who would be like-minded. Others that have a heart for ministry that want to see people changed and, and lives transformed and say, Lord, bring those people. I mean, Quite honestly, as, as, as staff people, that's how we are praying right now when it comes to things like welcome and belonging and children's ministry, youth ministry, worship, all those things. We're praying, Lord, Lord, raise up the right people for this. Put it on their heart that this is something they want to do, a place that they want to serve. Again, Jesus is really clear. Hey, it's not going to be easy. He uses a really incredible picture. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. <laughs> You're going to get bit, you're going to get torn up a little bit. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But I'm sending you out. It's not going to be easy. And then the last thing he says is just be dependent upon the Father. Don't take a purse or a bag or sandals. Keep focused. Don't allow there to be distractions. Because you know what? This work I'm sending you out to do is so important. It's so important that you don't get distracted. It's so important that you get, get pulled this way or that because it's so crucial that you go out before me, he says, that you prepare the way for me. So go out. And then he continues. Once you get to a town, here's what you do. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, 
it'll return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. Don't move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. So Jesus says, here's what you do when you're sent. You go into a town, and the first thing you do is you bless them. Isn't that great? You pray for them. Oftentimes what we do as Christians is we um, judge them. People at work maybe that aren't like us in terms of having a faith or whatever, it's often easy to judge them. Uh, maybe people in our neighborhood, you know, that neighbor that's just you just can't stand, we judge them. Jesus says, no, don't do that. He says, pray blessing over them. Pray peace over them. What would it be like to do a prayer walk in your neighborhood and pray for each of your neighbors that they would experience the peace of God in their lives? Wow! That's a great place to start. And that's what Jesus says to do. Pray peace over the people. Then he says, um, eat, um, eat meals with them. Eat the food, eat food with them, whatever, and, and just create relationship and fellowship with people. I mean, that's what you should do. Instead of maybe at, at lunchtime at work, instead of just eating by yourself, maybe grab somebody else and say, hey, let's eat lunch together. Let me get to know you. I want to know what's going on in your life. What's happening? In your neighborhood, maybe it's uh, have a block party and say, hey, let's, get, let's try and get the neighbors together. Let's try to get, this is so embarrassing, let's try to get these neighbors that we live together in the same place for nine years and we don't even know your names. Let's try and get to, let's do this, build relationship, fellowship, right? And, and then the next thing he says is um, heal the sick who are there. And so by that, I feel like it's meeting the felt needs that are there. What, do you, what needs do you see as you get to know people, as you, as you get to, in their relationships, as you, as you kind of, maybe even if you're a teacher, as you get to know your students, if you get to know other teachers, if you get to know people you live around, you're seeing the needs that are there. And, and there could be some, some, some ways that we as a church can come alongside and help, or you can come alongside and help and bring, bring help. I mean, honestly, just thought of this. One of the greatest needs people have is that they're lonely. <laughs> what a great thing to come alongside and help people in their loneliness. Just to walk with them and be with them. But you, you pray blessing over people. You build relationships with people. You, you come alongside and you meet their needs, help meet needs. And then the last thing Jesus says is that you tell them that the kingdom of God has come near you. The good news of Jesus is here. That, that the good news of Jesus is here. That it's not about law and it's not about works and it's not about trying to work your way up to God, but that God has actually come here and in his grace he's here and he, he walks with you. And this is an incredible, incredible good news that Jesus has given to us. So we, so we take on the character of Christ, right? We take on this character of humility and service and willing to let go of our reputation or whatever it might be, and we walk alongside people, and then we actually then go. And, and so here's the question is, um, in your work, in your neighborhood, in your family, at the school you go to, what does it mean to actually be sent by Jesus into those places? To where you can 
bless them and pray for them. You can really build relationships that matter. You can meet their needs, and you can then tell them that it's all about Jesus. You see, this is what Jesus wants us to do. The last thing he said to his disciples, and it was called the Great Commission, Matthew 28, says, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I command you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the ages. The, the interesting thing about the wording here is that the command is to make disciples. That, that is our job as the called out followers of Jesus, that the, the church is to make disciples. And the wording then is, is as you are going, as you go through your life, as you go through your day, you're to make disciples. Now, there are some people who are actually sent to go to different countries or go to a group like high school students or whatever. But for most of us, it is going to be as we go through our day, as we live life in our home, as we go to work each day, as we go to class, wherever it might be, as we're going, we are to make disciples. And, and the really important thing, and, and Kyle pointed this out last service, is that Jesus says, hey, I'm with you always in the midst of this. Because it's not going to be an easy task. It's not going to be easy. But Jesus says, you know what? I'll walk with you. I'll be with you in this. It starts out with Jesus saying, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And then he breathes on the Holy Spirit on them. The last thing today is that go and make disciples of all nations and Jesus will be with you always. That's the important truth we have to hold on to. Is that as we step out, as we're sent, as we take uh, the life of Christ into our workplace, into our families, into our neighborhoods, we realize that Jesus is with us. So here's the question for you to think through. Where has Jesus empowered you to be the pastor? Now some of you are probably thinking, well, no, I can't be a pastor. I, no, no, you can be a pastor. You can be a pastor in your classroom. You can be a pastor in your workplace. You can be a pastor in your home. You can be a pastor in your neighborhood. And the other word that often is used for pastor is this word shepherd. And in the Old Testament in Ezekiel, it talks about what a shepherd, a good shepherd is supposed to do. And the good shepherd is, is supposed to strengthen the weak. And a, a good shepherd is to bind up the injured. And, and a good shepherd is to bring back the strays. And a good shepherd is to go search for the lost. And so what does it mean in your setting to be one who strengthens the weak? Or what is it, would it mean to actually be one who binds up those who are injured? Or, or brings back those that are strays? 
or goes and searches for those who are lost. Are you guys ready to do this? Okay, that's not very many of you. Like my wife and one other person. <laughs> this is hard. It's not going to be easy. And, and here's what I think where you probably are going to have to start. Find one other person that you can pray with. Now, if you, maybe that'll be your husband or your wife, and you just begin to pray, Lord, Lord, what does it mean for us as a couple to pastor our family? And maybe it's your husband or your wife, or maybe a neighbor who's a follower of Jesus too, and you guys say, hey, you know what? Let's get together once a week, once every couple of weeks, and just pray for our neighborhood. Or you find somebody at work who you believe is also a follower of Jesus, and you say, hey, what if we... What if one lunch every week, instead of eating lunch together, we just get together and, just, and we pray for the people at work? And we see what God does. We look to see where God's at work. And, and we try to build some relationships with some people, and, and we're there to kind of meet some needs that we hear about and to pray for people and to pray blessing on them and ultimately tell them, you know what, it's all because of what Jesus has done in my life. And here's the thing, it doesn't matter if those people start coming back here to this building because the church is then happening in your workplace. The, the church is actually happening at your school because you are the body of Christ. You are the called out group of God's people for a purpose. And the purpose really is to save the world. And Monday to Friday, you're in the world. So be a pastor. Take it on. Find someone to pray about and see what God does. Next Sunday is a little bit of a taste of what it's like. But my hope and prayer is that you would do it every week of, or every day of the week. Let me pray for us. So, Lord, we know that this is not easy. And, and I know it's not easy. So I pray that you would show each one of us that next step to take. That next step that would put us in a place where you can use us a little bit more. It, it might be in our home. It might be a husband and wife just getting together and praying for a couple minutes about their kids. It might be a couple neighbors getting together and praying for the neighborhood. Maybe it's grabbing somebody at work and saying, Lord, my pastor said this crazy thing that we're supposed to pastor people here at work, so you want to pray about this? Let's pray about what God wants to do here with us. Or maybe you're a teacher and you grab another teacher and you just pray for the kids at your school. Lord, help us to step out into those places where you're sending us. Remind us that your Holy Spirit's with us and remind us that Jesus said he will be with us always to the very end of the age. 
For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.